0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. There's so many wonderful things to discuss and speak about in today's gospel, the psalm, the readings for today, and uh, as much as I would like to, dr- to dive into many of these different things, um, I was very impressed that His Grace Bishop Karolos came, gave a short sermon, ended the liturgy uh, on time last week. And so I feel I have, a, I have to compete with that, otherwise we might want a bishop coming here all the time uh, to speed up the, the liturgy. First off, I want to I'm going to draw your attention to a few things. Number one is the Pauline Epistle. I want you to read this slowly, all of these words of instruction that, that center on this idea that godliness with contentment is great gain, godliness with contentment is great gain. We are in this world oftentimes trying to gain as much as we possibly can, we're trying to accumulate as much as we possibly can. Uh, More so in our physical lives and less so in our spiritual lives, unfortunately, but reading this and listening to the, to the sage advice that St. Paul is giving his disciple Timothy about what to pursue and what to flee from uh, ought to also be applied in our lives. Number two, <clears throat> the psalm that we read today, Psalm 144 in the Septuagint numbering and Psalm 145 um, in most of our Bibles uh, is a beautiful psalm. Um, among the verses of the psalm, it's the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of all look to thee with hope, and thou givest them their food in due season. Thou openest thy hand and fillest us with every, uh, with every good thing. There's something else there, but the Lord, and then we have the Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works. The Lord is near to all that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. And this is very important that we have to be convinced and convicted that everything good comes from the Lord and nothing which is bad comes from the Lord and nothing that comes from the Lord, when nothing that comes from the Lord is bad, then we have to always realize that whatever we have in our hands, whatever we have in our life, whatever even distress or difficulty that we have going on within us, we have to understand that the Lord is not to blame. The Lord is not the one who has caused or played with the puppet strings to make our life more difficult. The Lord is neither interested in seeing us suffer nor created us for suffering, but He created us for life, He created us to be united with Him, He created us to be with Him, and He gave us this victory so that we are confident no matter what happens to us in this life, no matter what happens to us here, it does not take away from us the joy that is prepared for us in, in, um, in the kingdom to come. We cannot trade the silver of this life for the gold of the life which is to come. And oftentimes this is what we're constantly doing, not only constantly doing it, it reminds me of a joke, a person had a dollar uh, and and traded this dollar with uh, somebody who had two quarters and then the two quarters for uh, three dimes and the three dimes for four nickels and four nickels for five pennies and said, look, I started with one and now I have five, right? That's not. That's not smart and that's not how we ought to be in our spiritual lives. And this, this uh, brings me to the, to the main issue that I wanted to discuss about how we are living in a land of plenty and yet we are starving. And what I mean by this is that we are living in a land of plenty spiritually and we find ourselves still starving spiritually. This wonderful miracle of our Lord has to be put into perspective. Think about these people. In this Gospel, yes, it seems like it was a day, but in uh, the Gospel of Mark, it is a few days that they have followed after Christ. And as they followed after Christ for a few days, uh, they were hungry. And in that day, in that day, I can imagine, you can imagine, there was no um, uh, Costco, there were no refrigerators, uh, there was, you know, uh, very basic means of preserving food. Basically, people had to go out daily to, to make sure that they had food for the day, and maybe they could bring food for a few days, and uh, the leftovers didn't uh, stay for the rest of the week or so, or so on. And if you were a servant, you were responsible not only for yourself, but for your master. Um, and, and so you have here 5,000 people that have removed themselves from thinking about going after food and going after all their day-to-day needs, just to be seated with Christ, to, to hear Him. They disrupted their lives, and they disrupted the lives of others just to be at the feet of Christ. And you would think that everything would fall apart, yet Christ shows that He supports them, He feeds them. And there is a direct correlation between the food, uh, the physical food and the spirituality. There is a direct correlation in our lives between eating and our spirituality. And that sometimes when we put our physical needs before our spiritual needs, we find that our spiritual needs uh, become secondary and are almost forgotten. We live uh, we live completely in the physical realm. We are slaves to our nerve endings. We are slaves to our stomachs. We are slaves to our desire for a fix in our brain. And we are not interested in nourishing the spiritual aspect of our life. Christ fills them spiritually, speaks to them about the kingdom of God. And then He feeds them. So to speak, to say that when we when we go after the kingdom of heaven, as he said to us, seek the kingdom of heaven, seek the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and everything else will be added unto us. Even though we have so much at our fingertips, I find that many of us are not taking advantage of all of this spiritual nourishment that we have. We fill our eyes and our ears All the time with the garbage of this world. And then when it comes to fill ourselves with something else, we find ourselves lazy or slow to do it. I speak to people about fasting Wednesdays and Fridays only to discover this to be a novel idea. And that's disappointing because this is a a one, you know, at your baptism, your parents were told, teach this child to fast Wednesdays and Fridays. And when we simply turn that into fasting from food and drink we also miss the bigger picture because I can be fasting from my, with physically but also in, this, in my life uh, as St. John Chrysostom I'm eating the meat of my brother. Let me give you a, a story about a very wise woman just to show you the, 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 the connection between food and our desire. This woman was very beautiful, uh, and this is I come with props this is this is um, the um, sayings of the desert fathers, the anonymous sayings of the desert fathers and, I, and this is where i 'm receiving this this story from there was a a very strong and wise woman who uh, she Her husband and uh, uh, another businessman were in a close relationship and her husband passed away and so the businessman wanted to marry her but she had other things in mind so she didn't say no but she said let us fast and pray about this and so she said to him I'm going to fast You go to your place and I'm going to be here. I'm going to fast. Not a drop of water, not a crumb of food will enter my mouth until I call for you, rest assured that I'm not eating. So he goes and he's in his room and he thinks that he's going to have a message by the end of the day but this woman does not call on him except after four days. And after four days of not eating, she invites him over and she sets a table And she says to him, you have this table before you and you have me as, um, um, how to give this in the right way. She says this basically, she offers herself as a wife and she offers a table of food and she says, choose. And so he said, okay, let me first eat. And when she says, when he says that, she says to him, You see, when you are hungry, you prefer eating to me as your wife. But when you are filled, then you have this this idea of let us be husband and wife. You have no desire when you're hungry for any woman or for any delight, for anything that will let you have, just focused on food. And from this, she was able to move from uh, that to teaching him that there are more important things in life. And then from there, he went to a monastery and became um, a, a notable monk. And of course, she is recognized as a very holy woman who was able to direct him. What's the point of the story? That in, in our day and age, we fill ourselves and we satiate ourselves on every, everything we possibly can. We eat when we want to eat, and we eat what we want to eat. You know, we have the luxury of saying, uh, today I think I'm going to have sushi. Today, uh, you know, I'm not feeling that, I'm going to have steak. But not just any steak, I want this cut of meat. Where can I go and get this cut of meat? It's on sale at Whole Foods today, I'm going to go get it. And so on and so forth. We have this luxury, and because we have this nothing spiritual nothing spiritual crosses our mind first and fourth at, at, at the first, um, you know, when we think about things in the morning, when we think about the day-to-day, it's always, what am I going to eat? In fact, I can almost bet that some of you are trying to decide what's for lunch right after this. And uh, and that shows us what we're what, I don't want to say what our God is, but it shows us the pull and the direction that we're always being pushed in. And for us, this is important that we have to realize, we have to fight and resist against these temptations that drive us away from the spiritual life. Yes, we have to eat. Yes, we have to drink. But we've convinced ourselves over time that we have to eat three meals a day. And, and we're, we're, I, I guarantee you, it was a meal every day if that, and that meal might have been very small in times past. But when we talk about in an age where obesity is, is, is big among everyone in every culture, it is because of this uh, fixation and devotion to food. And this is killing our spiritual lives. Here we have Christ who feeds us, and He's feeding the 5,000, but He's also calling on us to eat the bread of life. This, is, this miracle is directly related to the Divine Liturgy. And in a few minutes, God willing, we'll pray from the Gregorian Liturgy, where we'll say, as you blessed at that time, bless also now. As you broke at that time, break also now. As you gave at that time, sanctified at that time, sanctify also now. We're calling on Christ who is here with us, To give us the spread of life. How eager are we to partake of this food, of this nourishment? How eager are we to witness this miracle again and again in our lives? And it is a miracle. I have a piece of bread that if it was us eating eating a dinner together, five people would say it's not enough. But when we have hundreds of people and in other churches sometimes up to thousands of people partaking from the same piece of bread does the child take less than the adult? No. Everybody takes the fullness of Christ when we partake of this bread and of, this, of, this, uh, of His blood, of the body and of His blood. And this is for us something that we ought to be eager with. How often do we struggle in our spiritual life to spend time with Christ? I fear that if Christ were to come, and say, I'm, a, I'm going to appear in the park in Laguna Nigel, I fear that some of us might not take him up on it. And if we do, we might grow tired of it. If it was every day, if it was every week, we might say, okay, enough. And I feel this is what's happened to the Divine Liturgy. It's lost. It's lost its ability to speak to us because either we've closed our ears or we've filled ourselves up with something else. We've already eaten before we've come. Not literally, but we've satisfied ourselves, our needs, from other things. We find ourselves as a children sucking on a pacifier and as we grow up, we learn different things to pacify us. But how many of us have come to Christ to cling to him and say, you are the only thing I need in my life. In fact, nothing else can satisfy me but you. Now I'll tell you one more story to conclude this homily. There is from the sayings of the Desert Fathers as well. This also, it's amazing how many of these stories I have to make um, uh, G-rated um, for the sake of, but these stories are, are in, this is where you learn how to understand the Bible and how to live Christianity. This is the essence of our Coptic Orthodox faith in the sayings of the Desert Fathers. I encourage all of you to read them. They come in different forms and different books. But he said, and I'll summarize this. A father was sitting Um, And he said to his disciples, there are three things which we must approach with fear, with trembling, and with spiritual joy. The three things, and he says with these three things we must must approach communion of the Holy Mysteries, um, eating in the agape meal together, and washing other people's feet. Imagine washing the feet of others, which we think is a sacrifice, he says, must be approached with fear, trembling, and spiritual joy. And he said, There was a great elder who had received a vision while the brothers were eating together. This elder was sitting and watching the Spirit. In the Spirit, he was able to see that among all those who ate, some ate honey, some ate bread. And some ate, I'll just say, excrement, ate excrement. And wondering to himself, he begged God, reveal to me this mystery. Show me why is it that we're all eating the same food, yet I am seeing them, some are eating honey, some are eating bread, some are eating excrement. And he says, those, a voice came to him, those who are eating honey, are they who are sitting at the table with fear, with trembling, with spiritual joy and are praying without ceasing. Their prayers come before God like incense and that is why they are eating honey. Those who are eating bread are they who give thanks on partaking of what is given by God, but those who are eating excrement are grumbling. They're saying this is good, this is not good, this is uh, decaying, or this is not uh, to my liking my tasting. And he said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you must do all for the glory of God. Now this saying is referring to something of just a common meal among brothers that some were eating with fear, trembling and joy. But if we are to transfer this over, to what we partake of when we partake of the body and blood of Christ it also applies. Because the bread and wine that becomes the body and blood of Christ becomes the body and blood of Christ only for those who believe. And for those who believe there are those who partake of the body and blood of Christ and there are those who partake of condemnation. Even though we partake of the same meal, it is directly related to the attitude in which we partake. And if this scares you, if this makes you feel fear in your heart, then good. I did my job. But we're not to stop there. We're not to stop there because this body and this blood is the only way That we can obtain and attain not condemnation but eternal life. So here we have a a difficult uh, decision we have to make. If I do not partake of the body and blood of Christ, I separate myself from Him. If I partake of the body and blood of Christ in a manner that is unworthy, I partake of condemnation. So if I am to fear this condemnation and separate myself from the body and blood of Christ, I am doing the same thing as partaking of it in a poor manner, in a manner in which I haven't prepared. So what must I do? In my preparation for partaking of the body and blood of Christ, I must approach with fear, I must approach with trembling, and I must also approach with spiritual joy because in partaking of the body and blood of Christ, I'm not assuming myself to be perfect. I'm not assuming myself to have done everything and I'm able now to present myself before God and saying, yes, now I deserve to partake of the body and blood of Christ. Me being the first uh, of all of you, I am the most unworthy to partake of it. And we are all approaching in this way, but we, we turn to God and in those prayers before Holy Communion, which I strongly encourage all of you to pray. In one in particular he says, uh, St. Basil says, let not the communion of your immaculate and life-giving mysteries be to me for condemnation, nor let it be uh, make me sick in body or soul through my partaking of them unworthily, but grant me till my last breath to receive without condemnation the portion of of your holy things for communion with your Holy Spirit as a provision for eternal life and as an acceptable defense at the judgment so that I too with all your elect may become a partaker of your pure joy which you have prepared for those who love you. O oh Lord, in whom you are glorified throughout all the ages. Amen. The miracle the, the miracle of the 5,000 is a miracle that happens every time we partake of the body and blood of Christ. It is not just a remembrance of the Last Supper, but it's a a promise from God that He will feed us and that there will be nothing else that we need except what comes from His hands. He opens His hands and fills us with every good thing. Read that Psalm 145. One forty-five, as well as the, the Epistle of Saint Timothy, the reading from today. Read that and apply it to your life. And when we partake of the Body and Blood of Christ today, let us approach with fear, let us approach with trembling, let us also approach with joy, for He has come to us. Unworthy as we are, uh, as sinful as we are, as uh, negligent as we've been, we've come here, we've, we've shown up, whether we're coming in the first hour or the 11th hour, and all of us, He's giving His body and His blood. Let it not be unto condemnation for us, but unto sanctification, unto purification, unto renewal of our spirits and our spiritual lives. To God be the glory, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and age of all ages. Amen.